lab and I'm coding all night. Project won't compile, it'll be alright. Computer science for life, and that's my direction. Instead of beatballs, my home is throw exceptions. Welcome to Dangerous Minds, where we delve into the minds of biohackers, grinders, and take a closer look at the tech being implanted and developed by this community. Joining us on the program tonight are Damien, a grinder and partner with DangerousThings.com, Cooper, a system admin who lives open source solutions, and Cursor, a software dev with a master specializing in RF technology. Up first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Dangerous Things, who delivers custom gadgetry for the discerning hacker and biohacker. So check them out at DangerousThings.com. If you and or your organization is interested in sponsoring the efforts of Dangerous Minds podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at DangerousMinds.io and or email us at info at DangerousMinds.io and we will be glad to talk to you about it. We've got a great bulletin for you guys. Um, so as you know, Rich Lee is uh, he's going through a rough patch and fighting for his kids. So as a community, let's stand up and help him out. He's done a lot for helping advancements in the grinding biohacking community. So as a group, let's open our wallets and go to his GoFundMe page. The address is www.gofundme.com forward slash cyborg dad. Once again, www.gofundme.com forward slash cyborg dad. So this week on Dangerous Minds Podcast, we have Kayla Hefnan. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, by introducing yourself and sort of telling us what biohacking, grinding, and transhumanism means to you, and also what, what sort of your, your own grind, as it were. Yeah, so uh, I'm a UX designer um, full-time, and I study my PhD part-time in uh, biohacking, um, which is where this whole interest came from, sort of an academic interest. And after studying people, not, well, talking to people um, for about a year and a half, I then decided to go ahead and get chipped myself. Um, so I now have two. One is um, an NFC chip in kind of the standard webbing of my hand, which I use to open my front door uh, and store a little bit of information on it. And the other one, which is pretty new, is a RFID chip um, to use at work for work access to the doors and elevators. And uh, before the recording started, you had mentioned that you were working towards a first PhD, and that it's in biohacking, as well as uh, a little bit more towards uh, the user experience of insertables. Could you please tell us more about this? Yeah, um, so it all kind of started um, in a winter here in Melbourne, which isn't really cold by your guys' standards, but I was cold. <laughs> so I had a glove on and I had our, our card in it, um, our card that you touch on and touch off at the um, terminal to pay for your transport. Um, and uh, it, you know, I touched off and people kind of looked at me like I was some kind of weird cyborg freak. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I wonder if that's a thing. And I started Googling and obviously, you know, it's a thing. Um, and so I had already put in my PhD application to do the wrist as a platform. Um, and I, I changed it to be um, what I called insertables. And so the reason I called it insertables instead of implants was uh, just to really define in the PhD that it wasn't medical. Um, and, and I wasn't going to be looking at medical implants and that insertables could also mean digital piercing. So something that goes through the skin, um, but isn't really implanted. So a piercing with sensors on it or digital contact lenses or anything like that. So in terms of the insertable world, are you like the first to do a PhD in that? Or uh, is there other research you can use and things like that? Is, is there much that's explored in that area? 
There's not a lot. So I sort of became um, almost an overnight expert in it. Whenever the news picks it up, especially here in Australia, I get calls. Um, obviously, Professor Kevin Warwick um, did his Cyborg 1.0 and 2.0 experiments, and he's just had a master's or PhD student go through. Uh, he was more looking at magnets. Um, there's someone else doing her PhD in America and she's um, looking more at the cultural aspects of biohacking. Um, so I'm mainly the only one looking at the user experience and design. So you have uh, answered most of this question of what implants do you currently have. Um, so in the future, do you plan on getting any um, or if you've planned on removing any or had any removed? Um, yeah, I haven't. Uh, in terms of these implants, I haven't had any removed. Um, I've had the um, the implant on before, which is, you know, the, the same kind of process of putting in and putting out. Um, would maybe get more. <laughs> um, I'd love to also be able to do access to my um, my lab at uni. But so I guess the issue is the standards, meaning that I need three chips for the three access points I want, which is kind of annoying. Uh, it'd be better if it was one. Uh, and the ultimate goal I would love if, if I could do payments, I would definitely get another chip uh, straight away. So obviously you've done quite a lot of uh, research either for your PhD or even just for yourself as you use your tax. What would you say is the most interesting use you've maybe thought of or any sort of projects you're working on that you want to use for your, for your uh, own chips or implants that you're going to get? Yeah, um, I saw X was actually analyzing some data last night and I saw um, someone was proving that he had it um, by launching a, a, a Rickroll, uh, which I kind of loved. I think that's my favorite, um, my favorite one so far. <laughs> um, I mean, there's people obviously doing their, um, their temperature. I've seen more and more people doing that with biotherm chips. Um, that doesn't necessarily appeal to me. Um, I wouldn't get the magnets either. That kind of freaks me out. <laughs> uh, just, just chips for me, I think. Yeah, I just like to be able to chip everything, I suppose. So if I could not, never have to carry keys or a wallet, so my car, uh, which I just don't have the knowledge of how to do, but I'd love to do that. Um, payments, university access, uh, transit cards, that would be amazing. What would you tell someone that's thinking about getting started in biohacking or getting their first implant? What does it take to get started? Yeah, so, um, I mean, people at work have been asking, um, especially when they see me <laughs> use it to open the door. They're like, what did you just do? How do I get one? And so I tell them, there's, you know, there's actually a place literally down the road that does them a piercing place um, that it, that's a little needle. And if they, have, um, if they have body piercings, I tell them, you know, it's the same needle that they've used in your body piercings. Um, or if they're a woman, I'll ask if they've ever had something like the implant on and be like, it's as invasive as that. It's not very invasive. It doesn't hurt that much. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I guess it's just about the programming of it, though. So um, to get the work access, I had to get help from someone to clone my existing work pass onto this. And so just, yeah, making that more accessible to people was probably going to be a big part of my PhD so that normal people can, can program them easier. So how, how do you, or if you do plan to make any, would you um, ensure the safety of your projects, whether they're implantable or just a bit of research there? Yeah, um, so uh, I guess I'll be hopefully looking at something that interfaces with them. So not, I, I wouldn't be doing anything that actually goes in the body, um, but just interfacing with the existing chips. So obviously the NFC chips are pretty easy because you can just do it with an Android phone. It's more making the RFID chips a bit more accessible. Um, so yeah, we, we, we use the Proxmark to clone onto this 
chip, but um, yeah, it was just way over my head. And I, I do have a computer science degree. I'm not a programmer, but it was over my head. So I can imagine it will be over the normal person's head. So lots of user testing to make sure that, uh, that a lay person can use it. Um, just a quick question off the back of uh, Damien's question there, um, especially with things like your research you're doing, what sort of ethical hurdles or um, critical reviews would you have to sort of get over to be able to do your research? I know it was a problem when I was doing my undergraduate research into vulnerabilities and things like that, but I'm sure you have your own fair share of uncharted territory. Yeah, um, so we were kind of worried about the ethics application, the first one, um, to even get approval, but we made it very clear that I'm not making anything to insert in anyone. I'm not telling people to go get them. I'm just talking to people who already have them um, and, and asking them why. And then the next <laughs> thing that came back from the ethics board was, okay, well, you're a young woman. Is that, is that safe for you? Um, and I mean, it's all been fine, but there have been two moments where I did go, what am I about to do? So the first person I met, you know, and he just pulls out two needles and I don't know this guy. I'm like, uh, <laughs> is this okay? And then the second one was uh, visiting Grindhouse Wetware. And, you know, it's in Tim's basement in the middle of nowhere <laughs> in Pittsburgh. I've flown all the way across the world. And I'm like, uh, is this smart? Obviously it was fine, but... <laughs> Yeah, Tim is a lovely guy. Crazy, crazy yeah. guy to meet, but the nicest guy, um, yeah. definitely. So out, out of everything that you've seen up to this point, what would you say is your single um, best moment of achievement with biohacking or insertables? Yeah, well, if we had footage of from our lifts, I don't know if we do, but the first day that it worked, my pass worked, I kind of did a little happy dance, which was cool because we've been, we've been struggling with that one. So I had a guy help me try and clone it um, and we cloned it onto a chip, but then the readers at work are quite old, um, so it wouldn't pick it up. Luckily, we did that before we put it in. <laughs> so, um, and then we went away and then I, I spoke to um, Amal and he said, oh, what if you, you try a physically bigger chip because this was small and so it had a smaller antenna. Uh, and then, so yeah, we got a physically bigger chip and um, it seemed to work. But the first day that I actually, it worked through my hand and <laughs> it was all okay. I kind of, yeah, did a happy dance. That was really exciting. Um, at your office, I've got the same problem at mine. So one of our rooms has an RFID reader on it and we've got passes and we can just add passes being in the IT department. I'm able to do that. Um, I've got two XDMs. Uh, Kirsty, you've seen the one in my right hand is pretty deep in. Uh, the only reader I've found to read it is one of a car park that I'm not going to mention where it is. Um, so we cloned a pass into that. We bought the cloner off of Dangerous Things. Um, so do that but be careful if it does lose um, the contact with the tag while writing it can brick it speaking from experience mm. so my second one which is a much less shallow um, well no it's more shallow sorry uh, so even in a fist I can still see it that gets read perfectly every time so it can all do with your skin as well how deep it is um, but you said you got given a larger XEM. How how much bigger is the version that you've got to the average two by two? So I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, I think it's I think it is just a standard size one. Um, but the chip that I had tried first was from Cyberize Me, um, which is an Australian kind of similar to Dangerous Things. Um, and yeah, it was it was tiny. It was way smaller than the standard one. I don't know what what dimensions were, but it it was much smaller than than the um, uh, than the NFC one that I have. Uh, and so the the one I have now is kind of just the standard size. 
I think um, the, the point that Damien made there is, is quite interesting. I know me and him have, have tried different ways of how deep it is into the skin, things like that, um, just to see how, how it is. I know, uh, Damien, you know, the one in my left hand, which is the XNT, is, is very, very close to my skin, like the top of the skin. Uh, it's visible without me having to move my hand around. Um, mm. and I've since had the RFID one put in, and as long as you find the sweet spot on the reader, mm. uh, it seems to work pretty well. And I think a lot of it is you get the initial worry about, oh, is it not going to work? And then you find where that sweet spot is, and sometimes it's sort of perpendicular. And then, as you say, you have that moment of, wow, you know, it's actually working. And then it's, it's awesome after that. Definitely. So my, the one in kind of my standard place is quite deep. Um, and when I, when I saw um, Amal and he was just kind of grabbing my hand in a bar <laughs> and he's going, yeah, that, that is really deep. Um, and I have a lot of trouble using that on, on phones. So I have quite an old um, Samsung phone. And yeah, I'm, when I'm trying to demo and be like, I swear I have it, it just doesn't work very well. And even I notice on really hot days here, I don't know my, if my hands swell, I struggle to open my front door. Um, but the one, um, the new one is very close to the skin. It actually kind of popped out when she put it in. And then, so she spent ages just kind of shove it back in, <laughs> which, which was fun. Um, I'm actually a little bit worried that it's going to come out cause it is that close to the top. Um, so I'm just keeping an eye on it now. So I guess you were asking before, what advice would I give to people who are going to get it? Um, don't get it in the side of your hand, the karate chop side. <laughs> um, it's very very flexible for the readers. It's great because, yeah, we have different readers on different doors in different places, but it was incredibly painful and I think it's going to reject. <laughs> uh, um, sorry, it took me a second to get the uh, mute button there. So just a little tip for piercers because I had the same thing with mine. Um, well, not when I was getting mine done. I was doing an, I think it was an XEM, maybe an NT, uh, to someone at a hotel event. And the chip, the end of it started to just come out. What you can do is you can pull the plunger out of the needle and use that to slide it in. Um, it's still biosafe, and it's probably your best option to do that. Uh, it allows you to push the chip safely back into the canal so it doesn't come out as you know it migrates during the healing. Um, if anyone's read the DT safe piercing guide, um, so yeah, you said about Amo in the bar when he was grabbing your hand. Um, I've got one in my knife edge as well. Uh, cursor sort of size of that one. It's like four centimeters long and mm. it's, it's massive. Um, what I'll do is I'll show you one on video shortly. And yeah, he was feeling for it when we were in the hotel and he couldn't feel it at all, which was quite surprising considering the size of it. How would you see the research projects you do uh, changing uh, possible association with biohacking and grinding along with institu institutional biotechnology makerspaces in the future. Have you reached out to any local groups and tried to incorporate them with your own research and own goals in, in the future? Yeah, um, so I've joined, oh, well, I've reached out to a couple of makerspaces here in Melbourne, uh, Australia, but none of them are really doing this. And they're like, oh, that's crazy. But maybe maybe I've planted the seed um, and, and it will happen. There are places in, in Sydney, um, there's the Biofoundry Institute, which I've flown up and seen them. Um, and um, they're, they're all kind of going ahead with it, but they also do a lot of other um, biohacking. So look, you know, actually doing things with pipettes and biology and um the stuff that doesn't really fit into insertables so again i've kind of not looking at all of the biohacking just the putting putting things grinding i guess putting things in your body um i guess it will hopefully legitimize it a tiny bit when 
you know, they do interviews and it's, oh, this person got a chip, but then they also go, and we have researchers from the University of Melbourne talking about it. Um, hopefully people start to see it as less crazy and more of a normal thing. So just on that point quickly, um, you're talking about people thinking of it as in a different way. Now, a lot, lot of the, the objections we get and... I know uh, Cooper's going to be one to jump in on this one, is from the sort of religious argument of it. Have you done any sort of research into that or have you come across that any with being a high profile person uh, in the field? Um, any, any objections to that directly? Um, it seems to be um, kind of from what I've seen more, um, more prevalent in America. So a lot of my American um, participants will say, oh, yeah, I had a car salesman tell me it was the mark of the beast. Or um, the more public ones, of course, get stuff online. Um, my mother's quite religious, and when I told her, she didn't, she didn't know that Bible verse. It's, I don't know. It's, it's not as concentrated on over here. Um, the main things are, oh, the government's going to track me, um, and I don't know how much you can you know, dissuade those people with facts. Um, so I uh, just want to go back to your project and the implants you've mentioned. What's the biggest impact you want to make uh, towards the biohacking community with your PhD? And what, what would you want to be remembered for in the field if you were able to, say, design a product for a specific thing? What would that be? Yeah, I'd love to work. Um, I, I don't know. It's kind of that tension of open source and, and standards. If it was more standardized, we'd be able to do... Um, you know, one chip for more things, but then then you're getting locked into an ecosystem. Um, but just if there's a way to help normal people, sorry, <laughs> I keep saying normal people, I don't mean normal people, I mean average, less technically literate people access this uh, in a user-friendly way, that's kind of where I want to go with my second study in the PhD and, and make it more accessible. So just to step back a moment, you had mentioned that your mom is very religious, yet she didn't know or hear anything about the you know, revelation, misinterpretation for Mark of the Beast. Mm. I find that kind of awesome and kind of funny, too, because it's such a nutty thing here in the States, just as an example. Like, just because of this podcast doing that much more, I hear more from people from that, um, I guess, I can't really find the right word, I guess, insanity. <laughs> or just needing help, um, needing a better education towards that. I don't know um, what what I'm looking for here, but it just seems interesting to me that uh, you had mentioned that it it's it's is that not you said that's not a thing in Australia. Please tell yeah. me more because we need that here in the states. Yeah, I mean, I've got um, at least two participants, Australian participants, who are. I always mess it up. Catholic or Christian, I don't know which one is like the subset of which. Um, but, you know, they, they, they say it's, it's not the right interpretation, that's not what it means. Or, you know, they say, oh, um, you know, the devil said the left hand, so I put it in my, my right hand and put a fast one on the devil or whatever. Um, but it, it just doesn't seem as big a taught passage here, whereas maybe it is in, in different um, sex religious sex like uh, protestant versus catholic or something 
I think it's um, something that Cooper's definitely been wanting to do is a, uh, a special show that's dedicated to having someone uh, that thinks that way on versus someone like, like uh, Cooper who's, who's educated specifically in this area. So that would be a great show to have maybe just for, for some education. Um, moving on sort of like, you're probably an interesting person to ask this question because of the amount of research and things that you've maybe seen. And I know you sort of answered it earlier, but what implant do you feel is missing in the world and what would you love to be developed? And it could be, you know, like an implant like RFID or it could be something totally different that, that fits into your, your scheme of knowledge. Yeah, so I think for kind of everyday people and people that I talk to and say, this is what my PhD is in and, oh, what do you do with the chips? I can open a door, you know, and they think, oh, that, that's not really enough. I think the killer app for normal people is payments. As soon as they can pay, they're gonna, they might take that jump. I do also really like what Rich Hall's done with the um, tragus implants, trying to use it for um, audio. Um, and I have already have a tragus piercing. So I'd love to be able to do something with the piercing um, instead of having to get an implant there. But I just, I just don't have the engineering knowledge to do that. Um, I've kind of put a few calls out on Facebook groups, like what would I have to do? But nothing's really um, materialized from that yet. I think that the Tragus one's interesting because I know all three of three of the hosts for this and several people we've had on are also like really keen to do that one. So we must have to sort out some sort of like massive Dangerous Minds podcast, uh, Tragus implant party. We have Richley there and stuff. I'm sure you know, he knows what he's doing by now. <laughs> yeah, to piggyback on that, I, I'm looking forward to that myself. I've got 100 magnets now total so far that I'm testing just for that, if okay. nothing else, because uh, I, I would love to have them in my ring fingers for the extra sense, but I make my living through typing. I'm very concerned about that. I'm sure Damien has something to say on that, indeed. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really, really want the audio because I live my life in headphones. And it would be nice to be able to not, just to put on a necklace and have some fun. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. That would be really cool. And also, like, I, I listen to music at work. I do a lot of, you know, the developers. And it's kind of just to get in my zone. But then it also signals to people that you're not, you're not paying attention or... Um, you can't be interrupted. So if you had this, you'd also kind of have one ear open to the world. That'd be awesome. I'd love that. So um, as Cooper said, with magnets, I do have a massive opinion on them. It's um, <laughs> mostly aimed towards the coating. And yeah, because I've had a bad experience with them in the past that I have mentioned before. So, but having them implanted to the ears is such a fantastic idea. As you both say, you keep your ears open to the world. Um, mostly for me it'd be great um, riding a motorcycle that way I could just have them as instead of having to have the awkward headphone in um, while driving to talk to people I could just have that and then there was also talk of an implant that had a microphone in the tooth so I was looking at combining the two seeing about making a uh, implanted headset well as you know I've already got a tooth that is just urging to come out so when that if that is able to be brought. I'll just replace this tooth uh, with that one. Please do this. So Please do this. I really want to do it, but I don't know how to. I'm either going to look at trying to do that, how to power a microphone over induction because it's going to need enough power, and also it's going to sound a bit muffled because it's in your mouth. Yeah, I'm not sure. If any of the audience out there have a random tooth that they've also experimented with, get in touch with Damien because he will be the <laughs> guinea pig for this experiment. 
<laughs> I will be a guinea pig. I think Amel has a BT, XBT in one of his teeth, but that definitely would be a lot more fun, in my opinion, as long as it doesn't go the route of a Samsung Note. <laughs> but speaking of projects, um, segueing into the next question, how are people able to keep up to date with your work, your projects, and you know, what may come up of this PhD in biohacking? Um, yeah, so uh, everything I do um, is put on my website, kaylaheffernan.com. Um, and as soon as things are published, I kind of link to them as well. Um, I, I know all the interviews I do and everything. If anyone, you know, wants to get involved, be interviewed, or I don't know, has an idea <laughs> about what I could do uh, next, please get in touch again. Uh, Twitter is where I live. Well, definitely have a special thanks to Kayla Hefferman for taking the time to talk to us today. If you want to learn more about this journey we take weekly, check out dangerousminds.io. All of us want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us as we explore further the tech and the people behind it within this fastly growing community of biohacking, grinding, and implantable technology today. Please feel free to reach out to us with questions and comments. You're welcome to find us at dangerousminds.io or check our Facebook page out by just searching on Facebook for Dangerous Minds Podcast, and perhaps we may one day talk to you about the work and our projects you're exploring and developing. Until next week, seek the spark. Science for life, and that's my direction. Instead of be bowls, my home is throw exceptions.